0: Subscribe on iTunes at Toddcast Podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look at that sexy motherfucker. What is up, buddy?
0: Fuck, it's been a long time, man. It has been a long time, man. How are you? Good. How are you?
1: I'm all right. You look well. Does it sound okay? It sounds okay. Sounds okay? All right. Yeah. It's not your mic, but.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, I got the blue mic, man. These guys gave me this mic about a half year back, and it's fucking deadly, man.
1: The blue mic, eh? I've heard, of, I've heard good things about it.
0: Yeah. And they're cheap, man. I think they're under a couple yeah. hundred bucks. Yeah. I was going to
1: say, I think they go for one hundred and fifty to 200 or something. Like yeah. They're not,
0: they're not expensive. So I do have,
1: I have a Comrex machine. I could, uh, I can set up, I can go get my other mixer if, unless, but if this is okay, then I can just, uh,
0: I mean, down. it sounds okay. Do you th- okay. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It's, right. it's, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I was was texting with you the other day and saying, uh, you were like the, one of the original guests on episode number one, which is now seven years ago, dude.
1: I can't believe you've been doing this for seven years.
0: Right. And you're
1: you're still sexy after all this time.
0: (laughs) It's the, uh. Shitty beard, I think, is what's helping. him. Yeah, I got
1: my yeah, like I like I got my. I know, you look like Trump. a pirate or something. Like, uh, no, I can almost yeah. curl. I, can just watch for Seatball in
0: the next uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie <laughs> over for Johnny Depp there.
1: Yeah, when it when they go straight to DVD, <laughs> right before DVD is completely obsolete.
0: Right. So, welcome back to the podcast, James. Uh, I, I, I guess um, you know the the question on everybody's mind is like. How's the camp? How's your circle with COVID? And it just seems to be kind of monopolizing uh, everybody's time, (laughs) you know, for the last fucking year. Interesting year, hey?
1: It's been unique, right? Like One of the most overused words over the last, what, 11 months? Unique, challenging, difficult, troubling, unsettling. Uh, You know what? I will say this. I... I've never appreciated where I live more than this past year and we live in South Delta and down around boundary Bay. We're about, um, two blocks from the ocean down at the beach and so we can kind of see through where we are and we built planter boxes in the garden this year and so we decided to make veggies and um yeah and and so we the one thing i do feel like we've got on our side is we've got space um you know there's an old school that's now a farming school about a block over from us that's a dog park so you know we can kind of run around with a dog and yeah, we're one of those millions of people that got a COVID dog. And, uh, we, so we've got, we've got that going for us. And then, you know, to have the space at the beach and to kind of run along the dike, that's been kind of nice for us. Um, you know, I struggled turning into a suburbanite when I first moved back to the West coast about eight years ago. And man, I, I, this past year was a reminder that wow okay i feel i feel really good about you know no longer being the city slicker to kind of have that space for the kids to move around and you know we're we're good man like i i, I would say you know for me you know working from home as somebody who's had to commute now the downside about being a suburbanite is the commute And so I don't miss my commute. Uh, I probably get about an hour to an hour and a half of my day back every day. Right. Um, You know, I think, I think when the kids were at home all the time, not going to school last spring, that was a little more of a, you know, what the fuck, how am I going to get this done? As I'm sure everybody felt like that. Um, But I, you know, I think we've managed all right and to have the space and, You know, we got four kids in the house. Like, we we try to be pretty tight uh, about ours because, you know, I I guess it it sounds probably weird, but we kind of have a robust bubble to begin with. So, between my better half, Brenda and I, you know, we kind of pulled a Brady bunch a few years ago. So, her two daughters and my two daughters. So, we got four girls in the house beyond just the two of us. So, with all of them, and then we've got our respective exes as well. So, there's my ex-wife, and so there's another one to our sort of bubble, if you will, and then you know uh, Bren's ex-husband and you know his new wife and their new child. So, you know, on a you know on a on a good day, our bubble, you know, overall uh, it's, you know, it's about 10 people, right? So not to say that we go hang out with our exes and all that, but you know, there's peace in the Valley and, yeah, and, yeah. The, kids, and the kids will go to the, you know, one week that my kids will be at my place. And then the next week they'll go to their moms and, you know, we're just trying to be mindful of the fact that, you know, that's, that's where we're at. So if you're bringing or if you're exposed to anything, um, so in that sense, but I don't know about you, man, but like, you know, the, I, I limitation, know, of, of the, the limitation of, um, so you know, sports programs, rec programs, like I've loved having, you know, family dinners at night where, you know, for years it's been, holy crap, eat this grilled cheese sandwich, got to get out the door because you got to be at practice in 10 minutes, right? Well, we got to get up to the pool, we got to get to the soccer field and... You know for everything to just kind of chill the hell out i there was an element that i kind of really like to kind of say man like this whole rat race thing i get it life is busy at this stage of our lives but i kind of enjoyed a little bit of the hakuna matata
0: yeah totally like if there's the silver lining in covid and the pandemic it's the family time and actually like ah. you say you know you're having dinners now and it's not a rushed world and there's just more you know more cuddling and watching movies yeah and t-
1: you my know, spoon, go, my spoon game is through the roof.
0: Right. You know, yeah. and, and, and going like on, on hikes and stuff. I don't know if you yes. like do that as well, but like Tons. We to do that. And like, you know, we play road hockey, which is the only time that we truly are fucking with the bubble. We, we play road <laughs> hockey on Sundays, yep. Yep. but it's generally the same people. And like, let's be honest, we, you know, we have kids and it, you know, you want to talk bubbles. Those kids have fucking no self-restraint. Right. Like they're literally, it's not like social distancing. They're like social climbing on each other. Like it's there's. So once you get to that point, like, I don't know, man, fuck, I'm just ready for it to take a hike.
1: No, I, I I think a lot of people are done with it. And, um, you know, and it's funny because I find myself, if you see somebody at a grocery store or, uh, you know, you're out walking and you talk to somebody and, you know, you see the, the varying levels of people that were, are just, I am so done with this, I am dying and this is killing me and just what it's done to my headspace. And, and I'm totally empathetic of that. Right. you know, I, I took, I've taken phone calls from my, my parents over the last year and my parents have been together for, you know, more than a half a century married and, and it's wonderful, but then they've really been serious about being mindful of, you know, of COVID, but they also live in a very rural part of Eastern Ontario and, you know, and it's just the two of them all the time you kind of get tired of each other's shit right like you don't have that social like we didn't go up and visit this past summer my sister didn't go up with her family to visit right so it's just mom and dad and you know you you go through the gamut of the board games and you go through coronation street and you know i've taken calls from them over the last year at different times like i just need a fucking break (laughs) sorry mom sorry dad for outing you and uh you know and and that's yeah, and and you know when when you're in those small bubbles, and and I'm really empathetic uh for for people that don't have that social network or don't you know if you you live alone if you're single and that sort of element, I I'm sure this probably been you know a real kick in the ass, and and that that's really hard. And and as somebody who's who's been there in the past, obviously not through a pandemic, like I get it. Like I went through a divorce, and and man, it was it was really hard on my mind going back a number of years ago, but. Um, at the same time, I, I, some sometimes quiet in the sense that, um, you know, I work in broadcasting. So I know that like, you know, I can lose my job in any minute because, you know, (laughs) there's somebody cheaper and younger and just, you know, they're, you know, restructuring, you know, and just the media industry is going crazy. But at the same time, man, like this past year, I've been thankful. And I, I try to keep my head down a little bit in the sense that man, like, you know, weather's pretty good on this side of the country for the last year. Um, you know, I can stretch my legs. I mean, my biggest complaint sometimes is when it's too windy to go for a run. Like my, if I'm pissing and moaning about the wind being my first world problem. Then right, I feel like I'm doing okay. Like the kids have been in a good headspace and, uh, yeah, man, like I, you know, honestly, like I probably get a little zoom chat out uh, a little too much of that sometimes, but I can't complain too much about the year that we've had.
0: Yeah, true. And you're mentioning the, you know, the broadcast part, you, you've basically been you know, part of sports broadcasting in Canada for like three decades. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. I, I, you know what? I started to score in the late nineties. Um, right. You know, I first came, I got out of school in 95. So I'm, kind of turning into an old man, I guess, but yeah, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. And now into the, yeah, the like fourth four, decade, four, man. Four, oh my baby. God. Like we're going to be we're, the two of us are turning into like the red Robinsons of the next generation. <laughs> oh my God. No
0: kidding. Well, how, how long have we known each other? Uh, you know, you used to come on when I was doing the afternoon show at Fox. you come on well, like, a, you know, at least once every couple of weeks, once was, a week,
1: maybe. I, I was going to say like, I can remember us meeting uh, at the Malone's, down at like richards and seymour yeah and that's got to be close to 20 years like it's got to be
0: close to 20 yeah 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 i feel like it's you know been... we're playing the the nhl hockey game we'll, we'll get into you being the voice the play by and <laughs> all that uh you know the first time i I turned it on i was like what the fuck it's james my kids are like oh you know him?" i'm like yeah it's like a buddy of mine used to come on my radio show and like how the how to." Well, let's get into how did you get that gig, man? Like, there had to be tons of people applying for that, man.
1: So, for me, it was, uh, this is about three years ago now, um, I was doing a podcast with one of your former podcast podcast guests, Davis Sanchez. Okay, yeah, yeah. So... Davis, who now is uh, an analyst over at TSN. So Jesse and I were talking one day randomly because we do this podcast. So we were just uh, always chatting. And um he had a, a really good friend that was a producer for Electronic Arts, which is the parent company, EA Sports, the NHL video game. And just kind of mentioned that they needed a play-by-play. They were looking for a new broadcast team. Mm. And I remember just kind of, oh, oh Reggie. Mm-hmm. 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 And I said, and I said, you know, do, do, you think, do you think you could ask uh, your buddy if I could get an audition? Because um, I hadn't heard about it. And he had mentioned that they were kind of running through a gamut of a number of broadcasters. And there were a number of names that I was familiar with. And I was like, man, I'd I just love to take a swing at the plate. And he said, yeah, I, I can ask. And a couple days later, I, I got an email from um, a member of the HR department at electronic arts based out of los angeles and they just said hey look your name's come up uh we'd like to schedule an audition for you and so i went in for the audition and the funny thing was hancock we had won a trip to maui for the family uh at an event that i had been emceeing and read the winning ticket that went over well with the crowd when we were still allowed to gather and uh I We were ready to fly to Maui that afternoon. I got off the air from Sportsnet 650 that morning, raced to the studios from downtown Vancouver to Burnaby, and then um, did my audition. And they kind of threw me a whole bunch of different uh, video clips, uh, and they just said, go for it, man. Like, doesn't matter about getting names right, and just kind of call it like you see it. And, you know, just kind of did it. And i have kind of a high-energy type of person to begin with and just kind of had fun with it and just kind of let myself go. And, awesome. you know, I think I heard some giggling, uh, you know, and I think a couple of times that, you know, and you, you know, when you kind of pop the room, you know, and the, the you know, the yeah. people kind of behind the scenes and, you know, and, you know, I kind of like, all right, maybe I'm doing something right here. And I remember leaving the studio and, you know, the producers and the audio team were, were all really nice. And I remember thinking to myself, man, what is this? this place is cool. I don't know what the hell just happened, but I, I think it was fun and, and then race to the, you know, race to the school to grab the kids and then off to the airport to go to Maui for a week. And, you know, nice. and, and the timing of it, you know, I mean, you get on a beach and you're on vacation, just kind of forgot about it. And I didn't hear anything back for about a month and out of the blue, um, they, I got a, uh, an email just saying, Hey, you know, we've reached a short list and, uh, you're still on it.
0: So, so by that time, like a yeah. month later, Yep. do you already think like fuck i didn't get it
1: you know part of me had forgotten about it and then i think it popped in my mind like <laughs> oh yeah i did that audition right Then and that was cool and you know and i remember you know what honestly todd my thought was i'm just happy that i i took a shot
0: got a, got a chance to do it yeah, yeah i just yeah. like
1: i don't care if i failed i'm just glad i'm glad i did it that was honestly i was just happy that i had that experience and i did was you okay with that.
0: Was on, did you hear who was on the shortlist
1: you know, they were pretty limited. Um, I heard a few names, and I, I don't want—I don't want to mention it. Uh, you know, I don't want to mention some of the other names. I think there were, you know, there's—I uh, think there were broadcasters here in Vancouver. There were broadcasters, I think, from Calgary, from Edmonton, from, you know, a lot of different parts of the U.S. as well along the West Coast. Uh, that I think my understanding was there were at least two dozen. Um, uh, broadcasters or, or play-by-play guys and a lot of NHL voices, uh, you know, from, from all over that, that had come up for this. And so, I mean, that's the other thing. When you look at the names that have done the NHL game, it's like Jim Houston, who's been Ooh. like hockey day in Canada, you know, Gary Thorne, who was the voice of hockey for years for ESPN. And then, you know, Doc Emmerich, who's been the voice of hockey for NBC. Like you're talking about like three hall of fame broadcasters and, then, you know, you're bringing somebody else and like, you got stuck with her. But anyway, I I, I get a message from and they said, Hey, look, we've shortlisted, we'd like for you to come back and uh, do a chemistry test. And so, uh, or no, sorry, they they said, you know, we'll we'll let you know in the next week or so. And uh, we should have a decision in the next week to 10 days. Cool. I'm like, still in the game. Well, you know, another month goes by. (laughs) It's like, well, I guess I didn't hear back I, I guess they went in another direction but hey you know what at least I got shortlisted nice you know again it was just I'm just happy to be nominated just happy to be considered yep. and then a month later there was like we'd like for you to come in for a chemistry test and you're like whoa okay this is getting serious and I go in and and who do I run into in the parking lot is uh, Ray Ferraro and Ray obviously 400 goals in the NHL and uh, great analyst with TSN and and Ray and I had worked together in uh, different capacities in years past. And, you know, I'm a big Ray fan and I, they had, you know, I kind of saw Ray and I'm like, man, I know they're big fans of yours. I mean, you've been involved in the game in years past. And he just kind of remarked to me backwards. He's like, Hey man, all I know is just keep doing what you're doing because it sounds like you really hit a home run with that audition. And it I was like, Oh, okay. And so we went in and I think it went well uh, for about 15 minutes. We just kind of riffed off each other. and They liked what they heard. And, We got to, uh, then about another month later, uh, they wanted me to come in for a third audition. And that's where there was a conversation with one of the lead producers, uh, David Pritchard, who kind of laid out to me saying, look, you know, here's the deal. We really like what you can bring to this, but you're also a bit of an unknown commodity from, you know, a conventional broadcast in the sense that, you know, I think there's people that would be familiar with me in Canada, having worked here in Vancouver, having worked in Ottawa and Toronto over the years and being on, you know, on national networks, but not necessarily in a play-by-play capacity and especially you know, having zero currency really in America. So you know, they said, look, you know, give us one more audition, play it a little more straight this time, and we just want to make sure we can kind of sell it to the bosses. So I went in and just briefly and they said, you know what? I think we got what we need and um, hopefully we'll know in a week. And that was like the most agonizing week because now like you want something and you're like, it's right there. And I'm just like, I want it so fucking bad. (laughs) And finally, after, oh my God, anytime I get there was a text, an email, a call. Is this it? Is this it? Oh my God. And, uh, finally on the, uh, on the Friday, about like a full week later, I got a call from, uh, Sean Ram Singh, who's one of the lead producers, uh, for the game and just said, Hey man, uh, how are you? I'm good. And, you know, it's just, uh, just want to let you know, uh, we'd like for you to be the, uh, the new voice for NHL 20. And, uh, you know, and Hancock, I'm sure you'll appreciate this because you know, us graybeards now, uh, have been doing this for a while. You know, I've been fortunate enough to do some really cool things in my life from this career, um, but to still kind of get a moment like that, um, man, that was probably one of the most fulfilling feelings of my life, considering to grow up playing that video game as a kid and then to think to get paid to be in a video game all these years later, like all that time playing Donkey Kong and Pac-Man, it's finally paid off, brother.
0: (laughs) That's no, very cool, man. Congratulations. Thank you. How, how long did it, would roughly, do you think it took you to, from start to finish voicing everything
1: from the audition or the actual game,
0: the actual game, like getting into studio, banging it out. Yeah, it
1: so, so yeah, no, we, we did, I I'm contracted for somewhere in the neighborhood of about 250 to 300 hours annually. Wow. Yeah. So we do lots of days, you know, you kind of start in the fall and, and usually it's at least one day a week in the fall. And then by the time after Christmas, we start getting up and running with at least two days a week, generally in the new year. And usually, you know, four, five hour voice sessions and, uh, and just kind of roll with it. Wow. And that we've been doing a- it and we've been doing it from home since, You know, we figured out the technology how to do it since pretty much, uh, I'm going to say, April of last year. And we worked right through uh, voicing, you know, NHL 21 through until I think the middle of August. And then the game came out and then um, we were up and running within no time to start um, voicing again.
0: Crazy. Well, we hear your voice every day in my house, man. We play it every day. I'm
1: sorry to hear that. uh,
0: (laughs) uh, My kids were like can we ask a question? I'm like, yeah, of course. What do you so want to ask good. him? So my youngest Levi, who is eight. Yeah. Who is your favorite NHL goaltender
1: right now? Yeah. Carey price. Oh, I'm still, I'm still a Carey price guy. I mean, I, you know, I'll never forget with uh, the world juniors were here in Vancouver in 2006. And in that December in training camp, Kerry Price was one of the goalies, and he had just been drafted fifth overall by the Montreal Canadiens. And Price got cut. That was the year if people remember. It was Justin Poggi who stole the show for Team Canada here in Vancouver. And so here was Kerry Price, and I'll never forget sitting in the lobby at the uh, at the Western uh, Bayshore by the uh, waterfront. Um, out by uh, Coal Harbour, And there was a bunch of the team that had just taken their team pictures. They all kind of had their Team Canada warmups. And I remember a handful of the kids who had been cut and Carey Price was one of them. And I just remember like the kids are all kind of sitting there quietly and and Price just kind of said it to whoever was within earshot to listen. But he just kind of said, I'm going to come back here next year and I'm going to dominate. Like you just said it so matter of factly, like you know, basically, like fuck this, this sucks. I'm coming back next year, and I'm gonna own this thing. And you know what? A year later, we went to Lexan, Sweden, and that was the Carey Price and Jonathan Taves show, where he put on put on a classic. And you look at how his career skyrocketed to where I think there were some people when he got taken fifth overall, thinking. Man, that's a reach to take a goalie that high and him. And you know what? He went from gold at the world juniors into later that spring going to the American hockey league. You think about that as a teenager and dominates and takes the Hamilton Bulldogs, American hockey league, the the Habs farm team to the Calder cup and they win the championship. So he's got world junior gold and he backstops a pro hockey team to the championship. And then the next season, there he is with the Montreal Canadiens, and here we are in 2021. Like, look, I think the Habs have kind of you know, been up and down over the last few years, and I get the Price hasn't won a cup yet, but I'll tell you what, if the fate of the world is on the line right now and I need a goaltender, I'll take Carey Price as my guy right now.
0: He had an awesome battle last night with Holpe. <laughs>
1: It was great. I didn't think Gary Price would give up five goals, though, as I just pumped the guy's tires. Uh, I, but, I
0: never would have thought that Holtby would give up five goals.
1: But I'll tell you what, the, the way with hockey being back and no exhibition games, it's kind of lent for a little bit of, uh, a errat- it's lent for some erratic play. And, you know, when you get out of that structured system sometimes, that's where fun hockey comes from. Because now it's up and down, it's scrambly, and that's where you start getting goals. So uh, look, it might drive coaches nuts, but as somebody who likes goals, bring it on.
0: Everybody loves goals, man. That three on three has got to be the best. Fucking yes. Hockey, like ever. It's great. Awesome. What's your take on the fake crowd noise?
1: I hated the concept of it. Same. I, I hated the concept of it, but it actually has won me over in a big way. Um, The approach of it. And I think soccer nailed it. You know, if you watch some of the European broadcasts, I think they've really done a nice job in terms of blending in some of the crowd chanting and the humming and the applause and, and just, I really think it's been seamless. I think when you look at what they've done with the UFC to not have any crowds and just go in a more intimate setting, I think the UFC has been great. Um, Football's been pretty good. You know, I think football's been pretty good and, and I think the NHL has been all right. It was Interesting, the league, and I i don't know the full details of it, but I know that the NHL reached out to the EA Sports NHL broadcast team and to ask for some advice how to approach, you know, the NHL's return to play in the bubble in Edmonton and Toronto last year with the crowd noise. And they, tr- and and I think one of the pieces of advice that, the EA Sports team had suggested to the NHL is treat it like a neutral site game, right? So treat it as a, you know a neutral crowd. So anytime there's a goal, everybody's cheering. There's cheers for the crowd for the home team, the cheers for the away team. You just treat it more a neutral site, and I, I think I'll say this: I've I've liked it way more than I thought I would when it came to the piped in crowd noise. Cause I, my first thought was, Oh my God, this is terrible.
0: What a cheesy idea.
1: It was, it, it totally, I was like, no, I do not like this idea. And you know yeah. what, the more I watched and we've got some, man, we've got some really talented people in this industry and I think it's really been on display. And I don't know if they've got enough credit for what they've done for the audio technicians and engineers over the last year when it comes to sports and the return to play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well said. I I guess I I am coming around to it, but uh, man, I'll tell you, I fucking hated it for the longest of time. The,
1: the, the, The theory of it, I hated. Yeah. But the execution of it has been, it's been pleasant for me.
0: I guess what I'm, what I think that they're missing is that we're never hopefully ever going to have this again in our lifetime and here's a here's a chance where they could have like the UFC done no crowd noise at all and now we can hear the play by plays being created on ice with Besser passing to Peterson you know what I mean like yeah. it's, there's there's that aspect that we're that they're losing they're they're missing out on something that is unique to what we're doing present day
1: I think a lot of players who thrive on the, the energy of a crowd have struggled with this to try to manufacture that adrenaline. Yeah. You know, I look at, you know, I'll tell you one, one in one industry that I feel like has just been, it's been really tough to watch. I'm an old wrestling nerd. I think yeah. we talked about this on my last you shared, podcast. Uh, right? You shared an Br-
0: awesome. Uh, Brutus. Uh, Beef Brutus Beefcake the story. <laughs> Beefcake
1: story. Yeah. And, and awesome. so, you um, you know, For me, watching wrestling when they came back into, you know, I never fully appreciated how important fans were for wrestling and to lose that energy of a crowd. I think it's just, it's just taken so much energy. Now they've created, you know, virtual fans and, um, you know, to set up everybody kind of on zoom and Skype and and connecting that way on these led screens. It's been something, but I think they've really struggled with that Um, you know I think to go into on Saturday night I'm going to go into Rogers Arena and cover the Canucks and Habs game and it'll be the first game that I'll be in watching with no fans and I'm fascinated to see how it'll be because my guess is it's going to be just an intense scrimmage or what it'll be right because there's no fans that are Screaming and cheering, right? Yeah, you, know, you think you'll hear guys dropping f bombs, and I think partly that's why leagues don't necessarily want to just have <laughs> that unfettered audio because you know, let's face it. I mean, there's a lot of know, talking. Lot of, yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of talking, and man, like in the heat of the moment. I mean, they even think of like a beer league game, right? I think there's still just your traditional, you know, you know, pucks, you know, er, pucks in deep, uh, but uh, like everything's probably got an f bomb or. <laughs> you know, a, a shit or, uh, you know, or, and then the other stuff that probably, you know, would get a lot of people in some serious trouble now where, you know, I think people are more mindful of their language, but I'm sure there's still a portion of it that could, that exists out there. And I don't think the leagues want to go down that slope And they're just trying to, you know, minimize the damage and the losses that they've already taken financially, right? Like the NHL... Half their revenue comes from fans in the stands. Like they're still a gate-driven industry in a lot of ways compared to the TV contracts that the NFL and the NBA get. And this is um, yeah. So I think they're just like, man, we're just trying to hang on and survive and take the revenue that we still have access to with these TV contracts. But, you know, they're losing. I mean, I think the NHL even kind of said, like, the losses that we're incurring right now is in the B, not in the M.
0: Wow. Saturday night you're you're at the arena same night um, you're a UFC Bellator you, you're a fight fan right
1: Yeah I enjoy I enjoy the big fight I it's 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 I feel like the sport is at a point right now where they need more stars
0: Yeah it's saturated there's too many fights um, I agree 100% they need more stars uh, Yeah no two, two I think of the it's, big it's, ones are fighting this weekend like what, what's your take on the the McGregor Poirier two?
1: Connor sells, man. You know, he he sells a lot of fights and he is, I think, still the he's still the gold standard in terms of the name recognition of what mixed martial arts and combat sports are all about. Right. I mean, Conor McGregor is the face of that sport. He may not be the best fighter, but he is the face of that sport that nobody goes out and sells a fight like Conor McGregor. Right. To talk shit and to draw people in to buy pay-per-views and watch, you know, and to buy tickets, whether you want to see him kick ass or you are paying for tickets to see him get his ass kicked, right? And it kind of goes back to the to the notion of, you know, Muhammad Ali. You know, you know Ali could talk people into a barn, right? Like he could talk people into an arena, you know, by selling fights. And he backed it up, you know. And you think back to the 1960s and the early 70s, you know, he wanted to go to heaven, so I took him down in seven. I'm gonna knock him out in four rounds. Like, but that sort of stuff. And that's Muhammad Ali, who was influenced by a pro wrestler in the 1950s by the name of Gorgeous George. Right. And so that whole element of theater, where yes, professional wrestling is kind of the, you know, the hijinks in the sports entertainment, but you need to be an entertainer as well in the fight game in order to have an appeal. You know, you look at Floyd Mayweather for that matter, like Floyd Mayweather wasn't necessarily the nicest guy and not necessarily the best human being, but he was a phenomenal fighter and, but he talked shit. Right. And then he'd back it up. And I think that's where the UFC and look, it's really hard to sit there and be a great fighter. And then to have that expect somebody to have that personality and go out there and, you know, talk trash or be a hype man and sell the fights. Some guys, you know, less is more. Some people can just be total wrecking machines like a Brock Lesnar and just be an ass kicker, not necessarily a great talker. Connor McGregor is the total package in that. You know, you look at guys in the years past where Chael Sonnen was that guy, right? You know, but you have to win fights, too, to back it up. You know, Josh <laughs> Josh Koscheck, too. You, There were great talkers, right. but those great talkers have to be able to win fights, too, because if the guy who's talking smack all the time saying, cock, you and me in the cage, I'm going to knock you out. And then I go get knocked out that weekend. Well, then I get up to the following match, you know, the next time the fight and it's like, you know what, next person, I'm going to knock him out in the second round. I'm taking him out. And then I get knocked out again. And so, you know, you get that fatigue that there's a certain point that I think the viewing audience will buy that hype man for, You might have maybe three strikes and you're out, right? You start losing too many fights, then people have seen you get your ass kicked enough and you're going, "Eh, I'm less inclined to watch that. You know, McGregor got humbled, you know, a couple of years ago, but I think there's still enough currency in terms of what he can do that appeals. And, you know, it's a good fight this weekend. Um, You know, I I still struggle sometimes with the politics of the UFC and trying to set up the, the fights that people want. Um, it feels like it's starting to kind of stretch into boxing a little bit. Uh, but you know, I, I, just think that one thing about MMA as a whole is that, you know, now you've got different leagues, uh, where you've got Bellator, you've got the UFC
0: strike force
1: and, and, and stri- you know, and, and you've got these these different outlets, which is great for a fighter. But at the same time, that if you want the best fights, you want the best fighters. And I think still the best talent re- resides in the UFC. But you you need more, more personalities. Like I go back, man, 10 years ago, you think of the guys that you could rattle off That were legitimate main event fights, but you'd get a few of them on a card. Like you think of the Iceman and Randy Couture and the Axe Murderer and GSP and BJ Penn and Brock Lesnar and, you know,
0: Nick Diaz and the
1: the Diaz brothers have been around for years. But, you know, you could list off all these different names that were legitimate, Frankie Edgar, like all these names that you can kind of go off one after the other, after the other. And a lot of that generation is kind of gone. And now you're kind of looking at it and don't get me wrong. I think the the top end fighters are great fighters, but there's just not enough of them. And there's not enough of them that seem to appeal to a mass audience that say, hey, you know what, this guy's got personality like John Jones, you know, John Jones should like is is the best fighter in the history of the sport. But how many times have you seen John Jones fight in the last half decade?
0: Well, he's got to stop got, using.
1: <laughs> well, that, well, and that's a whole other issue where, you know, his personal demons have gotten the best of him. but good looking, charismatic, good Killer talker fighter. and an uh, incredible yeah. fighter. You know, to me, he should have been the Ali in a lot of ways of, of this sport and should have been and, and marketable. Like, man, that's a charismatic guy who could sell. And unfortunately John Jones just cannot get out of his own way. And, And that's what's unfortunate. I think it's really hurt the sport that, you know, the best athlete in the sports history and the best fighter in the sports history has been maybe the biggest problem in the sports history.
0: Interesting, right? So who takes it? Connor?
1: I'll take Connor. Yeah, I I like Connor to win this one. I think he's... You know, I, I think he's still serious enough about, you know, backing it up. And, and I think the UFC wants to put him in a position to succeed. Look, it's better business for the UFC if Conor McGregor uh, is successful, right? I mean, he sells fights. Like, look at look at the buy rate. Like, it wasn't that long ago. We're talking four years ago where he stepped inside a, you know a ring, you know, out of his element and fought Floyd Mayweather. And did, you know, was there ever a thought he was really going to win? No, but, but, but Connor went out there and I think anybody who paid for that fight, which was around a hundred bucks, I think everybody kind of walked away and said, you know what? That was fun.
0: Yeah. It was entertaining. I got my money's worth. It wasn't
1: wasn't a farce. It went 10 rounds. You saw some guys throwing punches. And at the end of the day, you know what? 4 million people bought that on pay-per-view. Like, 4 million pay-per-view buys. Like, it's shattered records.
0: Right. And now there's talk of uh, Pacquiao, which I think McGregor won't stand a chance.
1: Well, I mean, look, if you're you're putting a fighter, if you're putting a boxer in the ring against somebody who's not a boxer, when it comes and, and putting them in an actual boxing match, the boxer's going to win. Right, it's you know in in certain elements like if you put Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao inside, you know an octagon,
0: well, game over.
1: It's it's it you know I mean, the, the fighter generally. Has no chance, right? You get taken down, you suddenly lose the one ability. You're choked out, you're on
0: your back. Like, what the fuck just happened?
1: Well, and that's it. Then we saw that about 10 years ago. James Tony stepped inside the ring, uh, you know, or James Tony stepped inside the cage to fight Randy Couture. And, you know, James James Tony was a, you know, hey, it was a world champion boxer. But as soon as he got taken down to the ground, James Tony was not a world champion boxer anymore. He was, you know, he had no, there was no punching to be able to be effective when you're on the ground. Right. And so, you know, Couture made short work at James Tony. You go back, there's a, there's a great book that was written in the last couple of years that speaks to uh, about 1976. Uh, it was kind of, the, which is kind of deemed as the birth of MMA. There was a, a Japanese company that had reached out to Muhammad Ali and wanted to have an exhibition with um, this world champion wrestler, Antonio Inoki who was basically the Hulk Hogan of Japan. And they had signed and paid Ali millions of dollars to have this match against Antonio Inoki. And so the deal was done. And then when it kind of came to the night, you know, the promoters wanted Ali to lose to Antonio Inoki, to which Ali was like, I'm not losing this fight. And and (laughs) Inoki was like, well, I'm not losing my, this fight. And so kind of like all bets were off and they stepped into the ring where Ali had to wear his gloves and they went 15 rounds and Anoki was terrified of the idea of getting punched and thought his only shot was to win this thing was to take him to take down Ali, but he didn't want to stand up with him. So for 15 rounds and like, if you, you find this on YouTube, but Anoki basically walked around a ring on, like a crab and throwing throwing kicks, and Ali stood up, you know, trying to get this guy to come up. Now, you know, you see how what people do now—you start standing up. Some guy can be a stand-up fighter, some guy might be a wrestler, and you know, you see what martial, you know, MMA has become now. But for 15 rounds, three-minute 15 rounds, it was a dog's breakfast that people were subjected to ordering this on pay-per-view watching a guy walk around on his hands and his legs terrified <laughs> to get punched by the heavyweight champion of the world and so thankfully it's evolved much more than that for the sport but they need more personalities todd
0: right yeah fair oh my uh second question my uh my eldest james hi james he wants to know what is your favorite sport
1: you know that's a great question man i i mean i it's funny i Probably would lean towards, I guess, hockey nowadays. Um, I was such an NFL guy growing up. I mean, I I, th- I like to consider myself a sports fan. Um, I guess if you got to pin me down to one, I'll go with hockey. But I uh, I just love to kind of. I always thought of myself as a well-rounded guy. Like, man, the NBA Finals. I just there's nothing better for me. You know, when when you got two great teams matching up in a seven-game series in basketball, Um, I love, there's no team I'm probably more passionate about than the Chicago Bears at this stage of my life in the National Football League, and to go to Chicago and finally as a fan after all these years to Soldier Field about a year and a half ago was unbelievable, Um, but I guess I'd probably say hockey.
0: Cool uh well let's get outside of sports here for a little bit james i'm going to okay. wrap this up pretty quick here i know we've already been on for 45 so already um i know right time flies um, i'm a talker so what was the music like in the Sibolsky house as a kid growing up what are your parents playing what do you what do you be influenced by as a little tyke
1: well you know my parents always had 580 cfra on in the house growing up in ottawa and that was just, that was their brand. And we went from listening. It was an all hit station when I was little. And it went from all hit radio to oldie station to talk radio. Mm-hmm. But we were kind of an all over the map. Like my mom loved, I mean, she kind of loved her pop music and disco. Um, my dad loved his Elvis Presley and uh, Motown. And my, and my older sister, she was about six years older than me. So kind of early eighties if she was big into mod if you remember that or, or new yeah. wave uh and punk so i was definitely an all over the map i mean as a kid i i mean i think everybody on the planet loved michael jackson as a kid yeah. but you know i absolutely love the motown sound love the doo-wop um and so definitely there was a lot of, I guess, oldies, the oldie station was definitely large and in charge. So a lot of fifties and sixties, you know, folk country, that sort of, you know, Johnny Cash and Marty Robbins that my dad would always be whistling or Waylon Jennings and, and that sort of element. And then I kind of had the, the influence from my sister who kind of taught me to keep it real with a little bit of uh, Adamant um, or madness with our house. And, and somewhere along the way I, I took, I took my love of Motown and Michael Jackson and what my sister was digging and my parents and and kind of created my own sort of taste, which is that eclectic hodgepodge of anything that ranges from Public Enemy to Guns N' Roses to the Foo Fighters to Kendrick Lamar and to the uh, soundtrack of Frozen.
0: Yeah, you were saying uh, last time, I think you were getting a little bit into jazz, you were saying.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I'm i a big, f- I love horns. Same. I like. I, I just, I love horns. And There's a, so pause Nathan, for a second.
0: There, for yeah. a, lo- a local band in Vancouver with horns, check out a band called Small Town Artillery. Fucking great band.
1: Small Town Artillery, all right. Yeah. All right, I will check them out. Uh, you know, but like Nathaniel Ratliff.
0: Yeah, great. Uh, and, and
1: and you know, and and to see what uh like you know, just bringing in the horns, uh you know, just love a song that gives me gets me hyped. I right, like 25 or 624, like you know, from Chicago. Chicago? Yeah, you know, boom, great you wanna get me fired up, just give me some horns. And and to this day, if if the kids aren't in the car and it's just Brenda and I driving and I'm just DJing and I'm riding shotgun. Like I will drive her fucking bananas because I'm just playing something loud. I'll put some Stevie wonder on or just something that's got some horns and just you know, the shimmy shake in the car and you know, yeah. all of it. That's uh, yeah. that's totally me. Uh, some harmonies, some harmonizing and some horns. You can't go wrong.
0: Love it. What was your first concert?
1: Maestro fresh West. That's right.
0: You know, I think I did ask you last time about that.
1: The Godfather of Canadian hip hop, which all years later to be able to, uh, I, I um, helped organize a charity uh, event in support of um, relief for the Haiti earthquake in 2010, and um, Maestro was part of it, and like totally, you know, I I, I would consider Stro a friend now, yeah, um, or Wes if you will, <laughs> but, but at the time like to kind of just like. Oh my God! This is Maestro Fresh West. Like, oh no, you let your slide. One. Oh, I'm like, it, I'm, you're trying to be cool. Like, you're trying to be cool, but you know, just totally like, oh my God, it's Maestro. And yeah, uh, yeah. So I was definitely yeah. Um, that was that was concert number one. That and probably I think uh, a live performance of today's special. <laughs> right. If you remember that kid's TV series? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that counts as a concert. or Maybe I don't
0: think so. Wes is probably your first. Yeah. Okay. Um. What's the most overrated band on the planet?
1: Hmm. Ooh. Oh, boy. You know, I mean, Nickelback always feels like the easy answer, right? In a lot of ways, but overrated, um, you know what? Hmm. You know, there was a long time. I'm going to get killed for this, but there was a time that uh, I wasn't necessarily the biggest hip fanatic. And, you know, there were songs I liked, um, but the way that people were so fanatical about them at times, I was kind of like, and if you go back to 2016, the night they had their final concert and the CBC carried it live, uh you know I watched that and and you know halfway through the concert it kind of hit me that my god like these guys have been the soundtrack for like the formative years of my life through high school through college you know into my young professional career and I just I teared up like I had tears streaming down my eyes where I don't think I fully appreciated them until I was older and I certainly appreciate them now and find myself listening to them way more than I ever did younger. But I think there was a time where I looked at the hip as kind of being those guys. Hmm. Um, You know, I wouldn't say that now, but uh, you know, definitely learn to appreciate, but most overrated um, hold on. Let me, uh, Come back to me on that a minute. Let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me have a slow burn on that for a second here. I feel like there's yeah. something there. Yeah. I'll see if I can come up with a hot take on it.
0: What are you, what are you binge watching lately?
1: Yellowstone right now. I Yellowstone. I heard it's awesome. It is, yeah. So it's funny because like there's three seasons and I just saw like the previews for this in the last month. And uh, finally decided. Okay, well, why not give it a try? I guess the best way to describe it is how a lot of people have kind of summed it up to me when I kind of threw it out on Twitter, saying, "Is this worth sticking out with?" Um, and people have described it as "sons of anarchy on horses." So <laughs> awesome. so hopefully, so hopefully, hopefully, it ends. Hopefully, I mean, "sons of anarchy" kind of just got a little too much for me. After I think it a while.
0: probably could have wrapped up by season four.
1: Yes. Totally agree. Instead season four, yeah. Season four would have been just fine. Uh, yeah. So Yellowstone is kind of where I'm at right now, and uh, waiting to dive into season three of Cobra Kai as well as uh, waiting for me. Oh, so
0: are was, you doing that Cobra Kai? Oh, it's a, it it's
1: and, amazing. You didn't like it?
0: I didn't. I not enough to watch more than maybe four episodes.
1: Okay. I mean, the one thing is, it's an easy watch, right? The each episode's only about twenty five minutes. Yeah, they're fast. So. So those yeah, I just are... couldn't do
0: it. I, I mean, I do. I don't. know. I, I guess I probably eventually will, but I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. you know, those late nights where you're a little bit high and you're like that's eh, not fucking really. It's not really doing what I was hoping it yeah. was. Do. No, I
1: I I hear you. Um, Your honor is supposed to be another one that I want to kind of dive into. That
0: uh, what was you know, that Brian, chess Brian one? Did you watched that chess one?
1: I did not, but I've heard a lot of people kind of awesome. dive
0: into that. Yeah, dude, is really good, man. It, it was like I was like ah. Again, hi. Yeah. Let me all try this out. First episode, like, wow, man, this is really good, really well acted, really well mm-hmm. written.
1: There yeah. was uh, the, the series that, uh, the two series that Brendan and I kind of really dove into in the last year in the fall, we, we got into The Boys. Yeah. Which is like a real dark superhero series. Great for,
0: show. If nobody's yeah. seen that, like, whew, get on yeah. that.
1: It's it's aggressive, um, and if you don't like gore, then maybe not. Um, and the other one was a, there's a Netflix series called The Last Kingdom, that yeah. uh, that it's basically you know if you if you're if you're a big Game of Thrones fan, it's it's light on the fantasy element, but if you like you know swords and knights and all that sort of stuff, it's it moves at a much faster pace than uh, Game of Thrones where. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of fighting, lots of battling. um, But we've kind of enjoyed that, uh, that series for the first
0: Did you get into uh, Vikings?
1: You know what? We haven't. My mom's big into uh, Vikings, Um, but I, you know, and I've heard nothing but wonderful things about it, but I have not, uh, I have not done Vikings yet. So put it on the, uh, add it to the list.
0: Do it. Yeah. Um, Are you a fan of all the, the superhero movies that get made? Uh,
1: you know what i i am i'm I'm a huge marvel cinematic universe uh the movies that they have done have been phenomenal um i absolutely have loved them and i'm ready to kind of dive into uh wandavision i think we'll we'll start next week on that um but i that
0: is some trippy ass shit dude
1: yeah, that's what I've, that's what I've heard. It's uh, it's a different, but you know, like the one thing that like Marvel hasn't fucked it up at all when it comes to uh, movies and I'm, I'm a DC guy at heart. Like I'm a Batman guy. Like my first word as a kid was Batman. Yeah, And you know, I, I, I just, the expectations for, for, you know, Are always so high when there's a Batman movie coming out. And, you know, they started off pretty good with the, you know, the Michael Keaton movies, and then they just totally ruined that franchise by the end. And, you know, the nipples on the costume and like, what are you doing with the Val Kilmer and George Clooney ones? And, you know, they then Christopher Nolan absolutely nailed it with the trilogy there with the Dark Knights. Um, But man, you look at how many times a DC is kind of missed on stuff like what they did with Suicide Squad. It's like, God, man, really? And even Justice League, it was like, it was okay. But man, it could have been so much, so much better. You know, I feel like they've got something going here with Wonder Woman. Um, I didn't love the follow up here that I just watched over the Christmas holidays.
0: Uh, the nineteen eighty four.
1: Yeah, it was just it was two and a half hours. It did you know what? It, Haven't seen it, it yet. It doesn't need to be two and a half hours. You could have shaved easily forty five minutes off from it. Um, mm. But you know, um, but there's something there with that franchise. I actually thought, you know, I thought Ben Affleck was fantastic as Batman. But they, you know, we'll see where they ultimately go with the whole. This the Snyder the Snyder cut of Justice League, but you compare DC and how they've handled things from a film standpoint, and Marvel and how they've handled things. I mean, Marvel. If you go back, you know, there's a great story I was just shared to me recently from a comic book shop owner that it wasn't that long ago that at one point Marvel was losing so much money they put Iron Man on the block. They put Iron Man up the character for sale. And it was about, I think they were asking somewhere about 800,000 to a million dollars at the time. And this is like within the last 20 years. Mm. And I remember, and the story goes like, I remember this, this comic box, this comic book shop owner saying that, you know, there were a few of us that kind of got together and networked and like, Hey, can we raise enough capital to buy this and see what we can do with it and, and see what we can do now. Marvel ultimately chose not to sell. Right. And look at now that wisely, but ri- wisely, and where Robert Downey Jr. essentially turned, essentially, a, maybe a B, B minus Marvel character into an A lister and probably up there in the conversation with Spider Man now in terms of their popular franchise sure. characters for Marvel superheroes, right? Like, that's
0: dude, 100%. Like, without yeah. without John Favreau's Iron Man. Mm-hmm. They don't have that bar, like totally. Dude, that, that movie is like still today, present day. Yeah, one of the best Marvel films ever made.
1: That the 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 significance. I mean, to what Robert Downey Jr. did for that character, for Tony Stark and Iron Man. Uh, I don't think. I, I mean, he gets a lot of credit. He was paid handsomely, but I still don't think he gets enough credit for the impact because. If Iron Man bombs, I don't know if they have as many of these films going forward. But, you know, Tony Stark, you know, Robert Downey Jr., and Iron Man, they had a home run with the first one. And that leads to what? Captain America and Thor and then the first Avengers. And. You know, you get an Ant Man, and then what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy, and I mean, like you talk about like D-list characters, right. and they turned Ooh. it into the biggest blockbuster of the summer a few years ago, and they got a sequel out of it. It's, it's unbelievable how they've woven that story through 23 movies or 22 movies. Uh, it's incredible, and honestly, you'd be hard pressed to sit there like you can say I like this movie better than that one. And this was okay, but they hit a home run like absolutely nailed pretty much all of them. All of them. Like, you yeah. kind of walked away from every movie going, man, that was great. Like, the first Avengers movie, to wait for that and the build-up and, like, to hit that home run, like, wow! I mean, it, you know, to compare it to, like, the, you know, end Game, you know, it's, you know, tough to compare now, but, like, that first time you saw Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and Black Widow and Cap and Hawkeye all kind of ready to go, and you're like, all right, I mean, to nail that and then to all these, you know, to, the, to get to that finale, to what everybody's been waiting for, and to nail that finale, that Avengers Endgame. Like, I put it on the other night just to watch and just like, you know, Cap Avengers yeah. Assemble! Yeah. Oh man, I'm like, I, why am I? I've watched it probably like 10 times now and my eyes water up like, yeah, go get him, You know, yeah. like.
0: I, I watched Iron Man the other night and was like, fuck yeah, this movie's just so badass, man. It's just the best.
1: <laughs> like those two scenes in the last, you know, in the last few years, like the Mandalorian finale is season two here.
0: Yeah, deadly
1: I, I mean, oh, I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but like that and, and the end of Endgame, Oh, like so you know, good. there's anticipation and there's hype, and you when it, when it actually delivers, you're just like, yeah.
0: <laughs> and what did you think when they announced that uh, Robert Pattinson was going to play uh, Batman?
1: Well, I never read the Twilight books, um, and so my first thought was like, oh boy, Team Edward, really, or whatever. And um, but man, I, I it works, you know, to kind of see how. Uh, you know, he looks at, you know, to me, I think an important element to wearing the cowl is you need to have a bit of the jaw, right? Like I'm a little, like I got a little bit of a turkey neck here. So like, I I just couldn't pull off Batman. Right. And I recognize that early. I just don't have that square jaw, which is why I got a little bit. So you won't be auditioning
0: for that, but you will be for the pirates of the Caribbean.
1: That's it. Uh, I'll be a great, uh, Jack Sparrow stand in or stunt double to get blown up in a ship. But, uh, but no, I think. From what I've seen from Pattinson and from the trailer, he looks legit. Man. It looks pretty good, like, right? like I, I, I look. I always look at Ben Affleck as the guy from Mallrats. Do you remember that movie, Mallrats? Great movie. Yeah, and but like ben Affleck's Smith. character, he yep. plays like the biggest d bag, right?
0: Just a total.
1: It's <laughs> a total. And, and so it's always tough to kind of shake that it's like Bradley Cooper. I still, no matter how good a man he was great in the star is born, but Bradley Cooper to me is still the guy from the wedding crashers, right? Like just that, that total D bag, right. You just kind of think that, you know, there's probably, you know, an extension of his personality that kind of just lends for that dude to be a bit of a dick. And so, which makes him a great actor, but Affleck, as much as I cringed when I saw him being cast as Batman initially, I thought, man, how do you like how do you go with that guy? And I thought he was, you know what? I might say like he might be the best Bruce Wayne. And Bale killed it, right? Bale's I didn't love his voice. Favorite. Ba- like Bale, the only thing I didn't like was is like what is I like that. I just didn't like the fact that he wanted to tell everybody to smarten up like that. But I, know, I like, thought, why is yeah, that? Why? But but you know what, grizzled Batman, uh, uh Ben Affleck, I thought he nailed it. I think Pattinson's going to be all right. I think he's obviously a little prettier because he's he's younger. But I think I think Pattinson's got a chance to hit a real home run here. I, I'm I'm very optimistic. I I yeah. felt like I was always judging, like Michael Keaton, as good as he was. It didn't feel like Keaton had the job. I think that's important.
0: Yeah. What superpower would you want to have?
1: Oh, man. Flight feels like a tough one to beat.
0: Teleportation? Mm. Time travel?
1: Time travel. Yeah. You know what? As somebody who's a big fan of history, um, I would love to kind of experience some of that.
0: Where would you I... go for? Where would you want to go mm. first time?
1: Oh, wow. Where would I want to go? Um,
0: right? Like, how fucking rad would that be to go to, I don't know, like yeah. the, the, the 1800s?
1: Well, that's it, man. Like, to kind of, I mean, honestly, to to see, you know, th- that I look at like this country and, go 150 years ago as this country was taking shape, um, you know, kind of a period around the civil war in America and just, man, it's just a fascinating time that ultimately in the backdrop, kind of 1860s where this country gets settled. Um, I mean, I think walking the,
0: down the fucking street. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, you know what? I'll tell you what, man, like I, I'm a, I love the stories of, I like, I love a good Western movie. And I mean, to kind of experience what like the wild West would have been like some of those towns. But the reality is, is, man just the volatility like we talk about how people behave now when you think about you know you could you get in a disagreement you get shot mm right like what did you just say to me uh, were you cheating in cards bang you know like but you know and and then the bad the great thing is is how many people had bad shots right it's just like you know all these stories of these generals or outlaws that just had like five to ten bullet wounds and you know you didn't exactly have the medical care that we do now and live to tell oh i got a graze here in my shoulder i got one in my hip one in my leg and um, yeah, I think the 1860s would be kind of, I'd be, I'd be down with checking out. Um, I'd love to go check out like the medieval times as well. Um, and just to kind of go, you know, kind of, you know, Saxon England and, um, to see that. And, and I'll tell you this, like as a kid who was raised Catholic, um, I don't, not exactly one that practices and haven't for a long time, but man, I think like Going back to the Middle East and or going to Jerusalem and Bethlehem or kind of all that history you kind of heard about as a kid and and maybe kind of get a clarification on what's fact and what's fiction. You know? Yep. You know? Like, you know, okay, <laughs> yep. all these you know, certain people are talking about and like, okay, were they legit? Like, where can I find this guy? And right, you know, and what's and his address just, again?
0: Um, right, okay. Yeah, like
1: you know, where's that carpenter and uh yeah. you know where's that where's that Virgin Mary and uh you know, so you know, just to maybe see if uh yeah, just to kinda yeah just get some clarification, you know, for I, the I department could of clarification.
0: Would want to scratch that itch. You know?
1: Yeah, like okay, where sure. yeah, where's 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 Noah live? You know, where where where'd he park that ark, you know? And uh so see how
0: big that ark is, yeah.
1: Exactly. Anyway. <laughs> I mean if you're getting two of every animal in there, that's gotta be a that big motherfucking boat.
0: Pretty big ark <laughs> All right, James, let's wrap it up. What's the most overrated band on the planet?
1: Uh, let's say. Uh, mm, hold on. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. I feel like uh, mm, the Beatles.
0: <laughs> Fucking hate mail is coming your way, buddy
1: I don't know, man Like, just the simplicity Like, there's some really beautiful songs You know, in the later years But, and the simplicity Of some of those songs Are they really that good?
0: <laughs> James is easy to find on social media To bag on Simply his name <laughs> great to see you buddy let's make this beers uh you know when the covid takes a takes a hike
1: yeah for sure man you know i think the encouraging thing that uh has been is to hear that at least four people i know uh their family and uh people in the neighborhood that have been vaccinated so at least it's it's happening and to know that okay there's people i know that it's actually so it's You know, it's the steps are taken. Yeah, it's happening. And I'm sure we'd all like for it to be a lot faster than it is, but it's, it's happening and that's the step in the right direction. But yes, it has been way too long. And thanks for letting me fill up your airwaves, buddy.
0: Always, man. Okay, bud, we'll see you online. And uh, thanks again for doing this.
1: Peace and love, buddy. Stay safe out there. Take care, James. Bye, handsome. Okay, bye. The
0: Toddcast Podcast on ToddHancock.ca.